Neil, your host for Paranormally Speaking. That's Neil Parks, of course. This week, I'm doing an episode on the secrets of The Exorcist, the events that led up to the book and the book that led to the movie. I hope I have all of the undivided attention of the entire listening audience today, for this will be a very scary journey down a very dark rabbit hole of what happened during the making of The Exorcist and the events that led up to it. Dealing with the devil, for example, the men behind tri-state exorcisms. And when I say tri-state, I mean Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Michigan, West Virginia, and Kentucky. Me being from Ohio, the origins of the exorcist story kind of resonates with me because one of the priests involved in one of the encounters that tied into the book that made the movie, that priest was from Portsmouth, Ohio. Now, I grew up in Pike County, Ohio, which is Waverly, Piketon, Beaver, uh, Latham, that whole area. Pike County, Ohio. It's kind of tucked away in a very rural, hilly range. And uh, hilly is in hillbilly. And Portsmouth borders the river between Ohio and Kentucky. And that's where Shawnee State University is located. And one of the priests involved in the original exorcist that ties to the story that became the movie, when he was young, it was one of his first encounters, working closely with another well-seasoned priest who had performed many exorcisms. Most were successful. He had his experience that completely shook him to the core when dealing with this specific demon that referred to themselves as Jajo. Uh, this is a malicious, angry, violent demon. And his encounter took a full head of hair from a 25-year-old priest, that being him, from Portsmouth, Ohio, and turned a completely solid white. He went blind in one eye. Essentially, the retina detached, leaving his eye a super pale blue in the pupil. Still has eyesight in one eye. Now, whether or not he died of natural causes, retired, and settled for a normal, non-priest life, I don't have the full story on that. I just know that he was born and raised in Portsmouth. And the last I heard about this specific priest was from 1998. He was seen still wearing his white collar, having a glass of wine at a bar in Portsmouth, and eating nachos and cheese. And he looked completely lost, just staring off into space. They say after this exorcism, it completely changed his whole personality. He wasn't fun-loving, ready to change the world, mission to the world, talk to the world, seek and save the lost. He just kind of existed. Continued his priesthood, but never really was a primary priest over a church. Just kind of popped up when miracles were cited or alleged exorcisms were going on or people being possessed by demons. He just happened to pop up as a consultant, as an expert in the field, and would observe and assist. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Reverend Bob Rotgers clutched his crucifix as he read the prayer aloud. He had recited it countless times before, but on this day in 2010, it was more than a prayer. It was his only weapon. A woman sat in front of him, her eyes darting from side to side. She was becoming agitated, Rutgers recounted. Depart, transgressor. Depart, seducer, full of lies and cunning, foe of virtue, persecutor of the innocent. Give place, abominable creature. Give way, you monster. Give way to Christ. Her eyes became fixed on him now, he recalled. He placed his right hand on her head and raised his voice. Strike terror, Lord, and the beast now, laying waste your vineyard. Let your mighty hand cast him out of your servant, so he may no longer hold captive this person. Rotgers said he met the woman weeks earlier through a psychologist department who was desperate for help and unable to treat this patient. He said she was troubled, tormented, and had bizarre strength. No one could explain. The more he said and spoke with her, the more he realized she was dealing with something not of this physical realm, something demonic. Rodgers, who was 58 at the time, said her case sent him on a path that would change his career. Because of her, he was appointed to a position few have attempted. He became a certified exorcist. I'm the one who handles the demon problems in the Diocese of Covington, Rodgers said, a trained and church-sanctioned remover of demons. I'm the one who handles the demon problems, he says. To skeptics, demon possessions are nonsense and invented by movies, books, and pop culture. To Rutgers, they are very real. They are happening in the region more often than most realize, he said. So real, in fact, that the Catholic Church trains and appoints exorcists across the world. The surging demand for demon fighters. Only a priest authorized by a bishop can perform an exorcism, and canon law specifies the exorcist must be endowed with piety, knowledge, prudence, and integrity of life. By most accounts, there are about 500 to 600 church-appointed exorcists in the world, of the 194 Catholic dioceses in the U.S., about 50 have an exorcist. Rutgers, the pastor of St. Philip Parish in Melbourne, Kentucky, is one of them. Covington Bishop Roger Joseph Foyes gave the job to Rutgers in 2010. I had only been a priest for six months, but we knew this woman needed the church's help, he said. I went to the bishop and asked him, who do we send to her? And he replied, well, we don't have anybody. Then he decided it would be me. That November, there was a two-day gathering of the nation's exorcists in Baltimore. Rutgers said, Foyce told him to go. The purpose of the conference, he said, had, was to educate the clergy members of a rising need for exorcisms in the U.S. and around the world. Cardinals in Milan, Turin, Italy, 
and Madrid, for instance, recently moved to expand the number of exorcists in their diocese to cope with what they categorized as surging demand, the Washington Post reported. Even Pope Francis was recorded on video last year performing what many Italian bishops claimed was an exorcism on a man in St. Peter's Square. A few months later, Francis officially recognized under canon law that the International Catholic Association of Exorcists, a group of about 250 priests across 30 countries, they claimed to fight demons. The decision gave exorcisms legal recognition to meet rising demands with the church. Belief in the devil is not going away, Rutger said. There are good angels and there are fallen angels, and that hasn't changed, he said. Just because we have modern technology doesn't mean that the spiritual aspect of all creation has disappeared. After arriving in Baltimore for his first exorcism conference, Rotgers met Reverend Vince Lampert of Indianapolis. From there, he said everything changed. Demonic rules of engagement. Rotgers defines an exorcism as breaking the legal ties of a demon and what they have on a person or place so the host can exercise free will. He said Lampert, the pastor of St. Francis, and Claire in Greenwood, Indiana, taught him that Lampert, 51, became the exorcist of Indianapolis in 2005 after the priest who held the position before him died. Lampert said he was flown to Vatican City for train for three weeks and three months with an experienced exorcist so he could take over. Five years later, it was Lampert's turn to teach Rutgers the sacred practice of vanquishing demons. I mentored him, gave him counsel and advice, so he knew what he was dealing with, Lampert said. I let him observe several exorcisms. Lampert said he showed him the rite of exorcism, a Vatican-endorsed collection of texts consisting of blessings and prayers used to cast out evil. Rutgers also became well-versed in of exorcisms and certain supplications. At Exorcism Manual, approved by Pope John Paul II in 1998. This details a specific formula and rules Roman Catholic priests must follow. Now I can tell you myself, I've seen this specification and the supplications that they, the manual they use, I've read through it, I've used it. I'm not Catholic, but a priest that I was closely acquainted with who supplies me holy water to this day even though he's retired uh, gave me a copy of this. It's an 84 page manual. It describes elaborate, carefully planned rituals that can involve holy water, crucifixes and sacred ruins. It states the subject of the exorcism must be conscious and often restrained. The manual describes four different ways a demon can enter someone's life, requiring some form of an exorcism. Uh, for example, infestation or haunting. This refers to demon activity to a building or a home. Vexation or torment. An individual is harassed by a demon that has targeted the person for some reason. Now, these are ones I've dealt with. Vexations and tormentors. They're like imps. They're worker demons. They don't really have the person, they're not possessed, they just manipulate and distort the views and comprehension of the, of the person. Obsession and preoccupation. 
A person has constant evil thoughts, impulses, or self-destruction, or unrelenting depression. And we have tried for decades now to battle that with medication. And yes, there are so many people that are suffering from mental illness. And it doesn't always deal with demonic manifestation. Definitely not possession. But it doesn't help when you have a natural mental condition like that. It doesn't really help you if a demon latches on to you to manipulate you. And then the fourth and final, full-on possession. A person is completely overcome by the demonic. This individual will have erased memories and new personalities, speak different languages, levitate, and suffer convulsions. To the Catholic Church, this level of possession is the most rare. And I can tell you, if a person is fully possessed, nine times out of ten, they openly invited that demonic manifestation to take hold of them. To not just play with them, but to actually control them. Lampers and Rodgers claim only about one in every 5,000 cases involves complete demonic possession. To have a full possession, the person has to be in such a point of despair or so overcome by torment that they give their will over the demonic. Rodgers said, for that to happen is extremely, extremely rare, but it does happen. It reminds me of the story of Legion. When he faced off with Christ, uh, saying, we are many, I am legion, for we are many. The man that was possessed and was considered mad by the townsfolk and lived in a cave and was chasing people and growling and barking at them. And Jesus cast out the demons, because it was described as many, into a herd of swine. And they jumped off a cliff and died. Now, in my opinion, once those pigs died, it then released the demonic entity in a metaphysical sense to where it could latch onto something else. So I don't know, maybe Christ completely vacated the demon and sent it back to hell. The legion, that is. Uh, that didn't really get discussed in depth in scripture. Exorcisms aren't like Hollywood movies. They aren't always finished in one hour or one day. Sometimes they take years to complete. No one has ever really seen a head spinning totally around, but it'll go farther than you expect, says the Reverend Bob Rodgers. People regurgitate a lot of fluid and vomit. They'll produce nails and razor blades. Where do they come from? I have no idea. Just all of a sudden, out they come, he said. No one has ever really seen a head spinning totally around, like I mentioned earlier, but the head will go pretty far, in fact, farther than you expect. He said it's common for subjects to dislocate their joints and bend their bodies to extremes due to abnormal strength, he claims. He has even seen scars appear on skin and then disappear. Rutgers would not disclose whether he has experienced a case like this locally. He denied... WCPO access to an exorcism due to privacy concerns. Rutgers said he took on exorcisms for the church out of necessity and to help others. He said it's not something he does for fun. Anybody who wants to do this is completely crazy, Rutgers said. If you want to get into this, you're probably not in it for the right reasons. It's not a glamorous or glorious thing. It's really heartbreaking and saddening, and you need a strong spiritual compass and a close-knit relationship with the Lord to truly navigate 
and be strong through it all. A few years ago, Latoya Emmons, a mother in Gary, Indiana, reported to police and the Department of Child Services that she and her three children were possessed by demons. What authorities found in their investigation made headlines around the world. Social service case manager and a hospital nurse both reported seeing Emmons' nine-year-old son walking backward up a wall. Gary Police Captain Charles Austin, a 36-year-old veteran of the police department, told the Indianapolis Star he witnessed levitation and since then has become a believer. Though recent Nielsen Company stats show a majority of Americans do believe in God, not everyone is willing to believe in the devil. Vito Mancuso, a Catholic theologian and writer, told the Washington Post earlier that year, that he is disappointed by Pope Francis' acceptance of exorcism. He's opening the door to superstition, Mancuso said. Possession or mental illness? Rutgers said 99% of people who approach him and claim they are possessed by a demon are in fact not possessed by a demon. Then there's that 1%. For those dealing with the demonic, their medications won't work, Rutgers said. They reach a point where they just don't care anymore. They say, I'm not savable. I'm not fixable. This is my life and I'm doing fine. I'm done fighting. When you see someone in that state, you know they are in trouble. Before he can help them, Rodgers said he must follow specific guidelines outlined by the church. Step one, consult a medical professional, especially one who doesn't believe in demons. It's always good to have a skeptic on board. I'd always rather have a skeptic examine the subject because they're not going to want to buy into the demonic stuff, Rodgers said. They're going to try and find something to explain what happens. That makes them thorough. Rodgers in Covington's diocese has a deacon who is licensed in psychology. The deacon will carefully examine a subject's mental health before an exorcism is ever ordered, he said. <clears throat> we kind of have to be ultimate skeptics because if people are suffering from mental illness, we don't want to put them and all their trust in the church. Then they quit their medications and they quit their therapy and they wind up in a worse situation than they were before. University of Cincinnati psychiatry and behavioral neuroscience professor Dr. Cal Adler, a skeptic of demonic possession, said he understands why some patients would turn to exorcisms to solve their problems. He has seen patients choose religion over medication. Discontinuing medications can make symptoms of depression or even psychosis much worse, Adler said. Some medications can be physically dangerous if stopped too abruptly as well. He said there is an unfortunate stigma surrounding psychiatric disorders that often lead patients to look for other explanations for their illness. More palatable reasons for giving unwell or feeling unwell can sometimes be demonic possession, Adler said. It makes sense for people to place symptoms into a framework which they are familiar with. And in some cases, that might be an extremely religious or exclusively religious one, he said. And I suspect it says something about the nature of the stigma that demonic possession can be more acceptable of an explanation. The church's ups and downs in this game. Lampert said he's performed thousands of exorcisms. He even advertises himself as an exorcist on Twitter. 
sharing musings about demons, demonic influences, and exorcisms. Rotgers said he is called weekly from people asking him to remove demons from their home. Houses are probably 80% of what people have problems with, Rotgers said. People that do things with Ouija boards and seances and all of that crazy stuff, they're the ones who start having problems in their homes. Cincinnati has not appointed an exorcist, but that could change if the diocese determines one is needed. And that need is rising, Lampert said. Consider in 1997, a Korean Christian woman was stomped to death in Glendale, California during a demonic cleansing, according to the Los Angeles Times. In the Bronx section of New York City, that same year, a five-year-old girl died after being forced to swallow a mixture containing ammonia and vinegar, having her mouth taped shut during an exorcism, according to the New York Times. One year later, a mother of Sayville, New York, suffocated her 17-year-old daughter with a plastic bag and what she claimed was an effort to destroy a demon inside her, the New York Times also reported. I don't believe the devil has upped his game, but more people today are willing to play his game, says the Reverend Vince Lambert. He said an exorcist doesn't have special powers or abilities. He's just a priest trying to bring his subject back into their relationship with God. You're not going to walk into Walmart and have a demon jump over and attack you, he said. If you lead a holy life and stay away from the Ouija boards, cults, seances, and weird stuff like that, you should be fine. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Fantastic. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. That's terrific. Unparalleled insider access. Get it all. Introducing the SiriusXM Platinum VIP plan. Our newest, most exclusive plan. Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to learn more. Offer detail supply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada. Now on with more information about the truth behind the exorcist. The exorcist true story. What really happened 
to Roland Doe, the real Reagan. The exorcist true story began in 1949 when priests performed an exorcism on a boy known as Roland Doe, later identified as Roland Hunkiller. The true story of what happened to Roland Doe inspired the ex- exorcist directed by William Friedkin. The 1973 horror movie tells the story of a young girl possessed by a mysterious entity, and much of the story is actually loosely inspired by a young boy in Cottage City, Maryland during the 1940s. The boy known as Roland Doe was not identified for almost a decade, but many experts believe his real name is Roland Hunkeller. The boy has stayed out of the public eye, but since his death in 2020, more information on him and his story has come to light. The Exorcist is based on the 1971 book by William Blatley, who was inspired to write the novel after reading about the Maryland case while he was a student at Georgetown University. The Exorcist was adapted into Friedkin's 1973 film and starred 12-year-old Linda Blair as Reagan, a young girl who becomes possessed. While the movie is clearly dramatized, using convincing special effects to thrill its audience, The Exorcist True Story, the case of Roland Doe, is just as chilling. The Exorcist spawned sequels and a reboot, which is currently in the works. David Gordon Green, Halloween Kills, is the director of the upcoming reboot, which will be a direct sequel of the 1973 original. The upcoming film has Ellen Burstyn returning as Chris McNeil, as well as featuring Leslie Odom Jr., Nigel Bartow, and Nick Bennis. Here is a breakdown of The Exorcist's true story, who the real Reagan was, and where Roland is now. The Exorcist's true story is based on the experience of Roland Doe. In March 1949, newspapers reported that a 14-year-old boy known as Robbie, or Roland Doe, was possessed by something sinister, and that the exorcist's priest performed an exorcism on him. The boy raised in a German Lutheran family was no stranger to the paranormal and things of that in his life. After asking for a Ouija board for his birthday, his Aunt Harriet gifted one to him. After she passed away, the boy began to experience creepy and abnormal things around the house. Rattling on the walls, strange noises, flying objects, disembodied voices... The Exorcist recreates many of these events to great effect. Rollins' family contacted every expert, all leading to a dead end. After getting no answers, the family finally received help from Father E. Albert Hughes, the family's local Catholic priest, and an exorcism was performed in February 1949. The exorcism that inspired the movie The Exorcist had to be stopped early because Rollins ripped off a piece of the mattress spring and threw it at the priest. A few days later, Rollins started getting red scratches with the marks spelling out the words Lewis. This alerted the family to go to St. Louis University where he was introduced to Father Walter H. Halloran, Reverend William Bowdrin, who performed an exorcism on Rolland. What happened to Rolando? So what happened to the boy in the exorcist's true story? There had been has been a lot of mystery surrounding Roland Doe. Over 75 years later, experts believe the boy is Roland Hunkiller, a former NASA engineer who helped with the 1969 moon landing. 
Hunkeller died of a stroke just a month shy of his 86th birthday in 2020. He passed away at his home in Marriott'sville, Maryland. After the series of exorcisms that Hunnickler went through as a child, he actually had an incredibly successful career as an adult working for NASA and helped patent the technology to make the space shuttle panels resistant to extreme heat for the Apollo missions of the 1960s. Not many people knew about his secret identity except for a few close friends. Academics as well as the Jesuits who knew the priests who performed the exorcism. According to his partner, Huckler was always very worried that his co-workers would find out and would even leave his home every Halloween, terrified that someone would harass him. <clears throat> Huckler retired from NASA in 2001 after almost 40 years with them and lived a quiet life. The author, William Blatty, who passed away in 2007, got the idea for The Exorcist widely considered the scariest movie ever. When studying at Georgetown University, a professor had a lecture about exorcisms in class, specifically mentioning Rollins' story. The lecturer mentioned a diary that one of the priests had, and he was able to get a copy. Blatty also contacted Reverend William Bowdrin, the priest who performed the exorcism, and with this information, adapted Rollins' story. Blatty's novel, was released in 1971, topped the bestsellers list, and stayed there for four months. A couple of years later, William Friedkin contacted Blatty to turn it into a film, and Blatty wrote the script. Many horror movies like The Conjuring 3 play, pay homage to The Exorcist now, but the thought of an exorcism did not always appease audiences. To keep Rollins' identity under wraps, Blatty had to change a few things. Rollin became a 12-year-old girl instead of a 14-year-old boy, and Reagan's mother was changed to a single parent as opposed to having a large family. The violent outbursts and Rollin's creepy, low-toned voice all occurred, but the infamous ceiling crawl and head spinning have never fully been confirmed or denied to have actually happened in the Exorcist's true story. Another thing that does not occur is the X that appeared and the scratches on Rollins' chest, signifying that ten demons possessed Rollins. The cuts on Rollins' skin, saying the words Lewis, was changed to help me, taking away the fundamental aspect of moving to St. Louis. Oh, although a few things were left out of the actual story, Blatty kept much of the exorcist's true story, story horror closely tied to the novel. This included both Rolland and Reagan acting oddly after playing with a Ouija board, only acting strange at night, as well as the two acting extremely violent when any religious objects were presented to them. The Exorcist book and film are very closely connected, as Blatty did write the script, but the true story of Hunkler is a bit different from the film. In the end, the true chilling story of Reagan is much more terrifying than the novel or film, as a young child went through such a terrible experience. Is the Exorcist reboot also based on a true story? It's been announced that a new The Exorcist trilogy is in the works, and there's a lot of confusion over whether it's a sequel or a reboot. Reportedly, the new 2023 Exorcist movie is considered a sequel to the original movie franchise. 
and Ellen Burstyn's Chris is the thread that holds the two together. Therefore, it's doubtful that the new trilogy will follow the same true story featured in the original The Exorcist. While the first movie is considered one of the most successful horror films of all time, The Exorcist 2 was a commercial flop. However, The Exorcist 3 performed well enough in its own right, bringing the famous trilogy to a close. Studios didn't believe that the trilogy should be the end of the story. So more movies respond along with a short-lived television series starring Gina Davis. While The Exorcist is both based on a true story and William Blatty's book, the second and third installments are entirely products of Hollywood's imagination, meaning the newest sequel will follow suit. However, the character of Chris McNeil, played by Ellen Burstyn, has already finished filming her scenes in the movie. A legacy character, of course. So, at least one of the characters from the original made it into the new trilogy. Presumably, the Exorcist 2023 installment should be considered a legacy sequel, akin to Scream 2022, in which a new team of people take over an old story. Not much else is known about the project, other than it's planned for release in the date of October 13th, 2023, and that David Gordon Green will be the director's helm. That being said, the new Exorcist sequel probably isn't based on a true story. Please hold for an important message from one of our sponsors. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hey, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me again after that much-needed commercial break. Exorcists are suffering burnout as number of possessed people are on the rise. It's a rare worker who doesn't complain about burnout, but most people don't often lump Catholic priests into the category of workers. However, one group of priests claim they are suffering from having too many customers and not enough support from their boss. No, not that boss. The bishops and Catholic dioceses around the world who these priests say don't give them the backing they need to do their jobs as exorcists. At the Regina Recent 16th Annual Exorcism Course, Course of the Exorcism Minister and the Libertarian Prayer. In Rome, the first and most recognized in the world to offer attentive disciplinary research to those who are engaged in this field. The major complaint heard by said researcher, Frau, was from exorcists attending the training, was how overworked they are. As high as that number told to Frau is the total may be higher because most priests must first determine that the person claiming to be possessed or claimed to be by those who brought them in is really under the control of a demon or evil spirit. One of the many things attendees learn in that class is that the warning signs of possession, speaking in Latin, Aramaic, or Hebrew, when they have no prior knowledge of the language, unusual physical strength and vomiting, 
Of course, there are many other reasons for vomiting, so the priests also trained to determine non-demonic causes of possession-type behavior. That's obviously where the big part of the workload burnout comes from, especially in times when pandemics, war, the economy are giving people their own burnouts that can cause strange behavior, according to another attendee, researcher Louis Samantaria. Del Rio, many times the exorcist must first deal with others have told the person. Many of the potentially possessed people they see in Spain have spent time with New Age spiritual or meditation groups. In addition, misinformation has caused many people infected with COVID-19 to think they are possessed or to believe that an exorcism can remove said disease better than the medication and treatment can. According to interviews of attendees by the Times of London, the priests say their bishops refuse to bring in more exorcists to help with the workload. It's worse in some areas. The survey found that Italy has 290 exorcists and Spain has 37, while the UK and Ireland together have only 28 working exorcists. And Manila in the Philippines has only one exorcism office. A little help is on the way. There were 120 attendees taking the course in May. While it's obvious that many of the people seeking exorcisms really need medical or mental treatment or counseling, the number of actual exorcisms has increased significantly in recent years, and performing them is exhausting by the exorcist and those helping out. One of the causes and cases discussed during the class was a nine-hour exorcism performed in December 2021, in Venezuela, at the Church of St. Mary in Mount Barico, on a 28-year-old woman after she was at, had attacked a priest hearing her confession. Throw in Pope Francis speaking often about evil and exorcisms, and it's no wonder exorcists are overworked and burned out. There is no one simple solution to their dilemma. The world needs more mental health providers who can diagnose and treat the non-demonic causes of possession, like behavior, and less leaders talking about evil. What does an exorcist see when possessed by the demon of stress? One may never know. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Well, that's all I have for you this week. I hope I didn't scare the crap out of anyone talking about exorcisms and demonic possession and the truth behind the movie The Exorcist. And of course, many uh, offshoots of The Exorcist being the one that started it all in that type of genre of horror. And since then, we've had Sinister, The Conjuring, Insidious, all dealing with dark demonic manifestations and the way they wreak havoc on the lives of human beings. Hope you have a great rest of the week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, illustrator, podcaster, documentary filmmaker, screenwriter, and once in a great while, actor. Hope you have a terrific evening. Sleep well tonight. Please be good to one another. Because every day you wake up, you're closer to death because you have just aged another day. Keep that in mind. No one's going to get out of this alive. We're all stuck here on this planet together 
spiraling in a circle. No, the earth is not flat. So thank you and have a terrific rest of the week. This is Neil Park signing off. Thank you.